Hey guys, on this episode of EdTech, I'm joined by Scott Tyner, Rod, Rob Raspberry, and Ernie Bailey. And we're going to be talking about school safety, digital signage, and media players, as well as basic tips and tricks for your campus. All this on EdTech. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is EdTech, episode 62, Pass Alliance. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Atlas IED, innovative audio solutions for every business environment. This is EdTech, the monthly higher ed tech podcast. I'm your host, Bill O'Donnell, and this, this time I'm joined by the illustrious Ernie Bailey. Good morning. Good morning, sir. Here. Mr. Scott Tyner. Hey, Bill. Thanks for inviting me. Oh, of course, glad, man. Glad to be back. Yes. He's, uh, for those who don't know, Scott has been uh, one of the uh, OGs of the uh, podcast, and uh, <laughs> now he's back. So, uh, it's, well, it's great to have you back, sir. And last but not least, my, uh, my cohort from across the river, the one, the only, Mr. Rob Brasburg. How are you, sir? Great, great. Greetings and salutations. <laughs> Well, he is in Philly. You gotta, you gotta ritz it up a little bit here. Oof! <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, all right. So first and foremost, uh, the first article we're going to talk about today is it comes from mytechdecisions.com, and it's the seven tools and technologies you should consider in 2018. Um, so there's a couple of things that they go that they uh, go off about and everything, and there's things that they've talked about in order to kind of uh, make life easier, and this is if you're a um, if you're more on the IT side of things. How do you you know how do you make things uh, easier uh, for your your business or you know in our case our campus? Um, there's a couple of things that they talk about that I find kind of interesting. Um, some of them, uh, you know, you, you hear this and you go, okay, and how does this apply to me? Um, one of the ones that they talked about was uh, chatbots, which um, I don't know if you've ever dealt with it, but most times if you're on a website and everything, all of a sudden those kinds of things kind of help automate things. Now, is it the is it the end all of things? No, but there is kind of, it is it does kind of alleviate certain little items here and there. Um, my personal fave is um, if someone you know is trying to get, uh, um, get trying to get their password unlocked or something like that. Could a chatbot help with that? Eh, sure, but most times most times they're not. It's usually something you gotta call someone over the phone about. Um, the other one that uh, was kind of uh, um, an interesting thing that said, oh yes, was IT automation. Now, I don't know, I'll, I'll ask, uh, as I say, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll go to you guys in a minute here, um, but certain aspects of automation that scare me in the fact that it's one of those, oh, well, if you have a support question, oh, well, just, you know, just give this uh, person a phone call and they'll remote in. Well, that only goes so far. Um, you know, in fact, if anything, there's a sister college uh, that we do, that we, there's a sister school that we do uh, work with it's uh, Mercer Mercer County College and they outsourced pretty much all their IT staff so if you have to do anything yes it's kind of automated through the phone tree and I don't know about you but I've had some faculty members who are rather seasoned and you know they need a body in the room they 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 need some hand holding and it's nothing wrong with that so much as it's 
it's an idea, but I don't think it's, 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 it's not for everybody. So uh, Scott, I'm going to go to you first on this one because, well, you're back in the barrel. So you're up. Okay. Uh, so for me, uh, we'll start out with uh, chat bots. I, um, I, I completely despise chat bots and <laughs> anytime I have to do anything and, and you get that immediate response when you go to chat with somebody uh, it, it, it puts me over the edge. Now I think, that's because I'm a technical person. And in my view, when I've gone to get help from somebody, mm -hmm. it's because I've worked through everything a chatbot's going to tell me to do. And now I need to speak to somebody. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the one that here that really um, struck me is, is Microsoft Teams. We, we don't use Microsoft Teams here at, at Bates because we're a Google house. Um, but we do use Slack, which is uh, a, a comparison to Microsoft Teams. And I believe that it has changed how we do work. Uh, it's, it's improved our efficiency, our knowledge. Uh, and so whether you're a, uh, an IT team, an AV team, uh, a small integrator, large integrator, I think getting on that type of tool, whether it's Google Hangout Chat, Microsoft Teams, or Slack, uh, mm -hmm. can completely change uh, what you do. Yeah, I, I will actually, I'll actually uh, counter with that. In fact, that uh, uh, actually within AV Nation, we do actually have a Slack group, and it's a good way to kind of keep in touch with everybody. Um, on a larger scale, I've also seen um, folks use uh, Discord, but I mean that's you know once right. you open up a Discord channel, uh, I mean that's where you end up doing uh, subgroups within that, and that's on you know anyone can log into it and anyone can can see what's going on and everything. Uh, the only reason you know that I have that I view some of those Discord channels is mostly because you know say there's a certain website. Um, and some of them are, are, are kind of their own kind of homebrew deals. Um, it's a lot easier to get a hold of them via Discord than it is um, via, say, like Microsoft Teams. Mostly because Microsoft Teams, it's you know, if it, it's it's like anything with Microsoft, you have to pay for the service. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas, uh, as I say, I don't know about Discord, but I know uh, Slack and Google Hangouts and things like that. It's a lot. It's a lot easier, and it's just one of those. You know, here it is. Just go and have at it, and everything like that. Um, Ernie, do you guys uh, use use uh, Slack, or is it just use uh, Outlook as a chain to beat people with? Uh, right now, we're using uh, the Skype for Business uh, chat tools and collaboration tools. Uh, that's getting ready to go away on our campus. We're in fact, I've got a meeting with our uh, migration team mm -hmm. about, you know, our entire uh, unified communication system that we use. Mm. Um, but, you know, we, we use the tools within it, within IT, mm -hmm. both for, you know, quick chats mm -hmm. as well as the, the group discussions. We have some open groups. We have some closed groups, like uh, on my monitor just to the left of me here, I can look and I can see what's going on in IT across campus, you know, what issues we're having, if anything's popping up, so we can track whatever's going on. Uh, that leads, I guess, kind of towards the uh, IT automation mm -hmm. on the list. Uh, kind of lets us work together uh, as a uh, collaborative board, if you will, mm -hmm. for supporting uh, the campus and uh, whatever IT needs are out there. Uh, one thing I really liked on this list was, uh, you know, the uh, what what do they call it, uh, knowledge management. We keep a knowledge base tool. Uh, we got several tools we use to build knowledge bases, and you know, it gives us a place where all of our techs can go and look and see, you know, mm -hmm. this is what's been happening in this room, or this is how we 
solve this problem before, so we, we've got it right there in front of us, and we have a solution to try anyway. Uh, and getting it organized, other parts of IT, IT here on our campus have used that for a while. We're starting to build our own just for classroom technologies. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it's very true in, in on our campus with that one. Um, we we actually use our ticket system to kind of go and double check back about right. uh, about certain classrooms if there's been a repeat uh, issue and everything. Uh, and in fact, we just recently uh, we had uh, a ticket come in where the faculty were like, "Oh, the the screen the screen's not working. Oh, things have been bad." And we're going, "Okay, well let's go and see what's going on." And um, turned out the motor died. Yeah, that that happens. Um, but we had actually gone through, and I was like, "Well, let's go and check and uh, take a look again and everything." And yeah, there had actually been a couple other tickets where you know the thing had started to you know die down, or all of a sudden didn't come all the way down, and we're going, "Oh yeah, the warning signs were there." All right, so it, it's caused us to kind of um, reflect on certain things and kind of be like, "Oh, okay, you know what? We we really should start taking a look at things." And if anything, it's actually caused us to um, this summer we're going to be changing out about thirty screens or so. Yeah, which it's nothing deadly, but at the same time, it's it's it keeps us from you know suddenly being caught in that that uh, rut row moment uh, when you know the the faculty are are you know about to give you know uh, a large a large scale lecture and it's like hey uh, where's the screen? Uh, the only thing that out of this that I, I out of this list that I looked at and went. Okay, this is interesting. I don't know how they're going to work it in. Um, was the blockchain because I cause I looked at this. I'm going, well, there's no AV token. Uh, I mean, there's. Let's put it this way: if if it's a way, of, it's one of those things. I looked at and said, this is a good way of keeping. Um, you know, if we end up like billing, doing billing for services and everything, yes, then it's then it's a good way to distribute out a ledger because that's what blockchain. That's what it is. It's a it, yeah, it's a distributed ledger, but but it can uh, be a distributed database as well if you want to use it for storing your information and being that, able to get to it easily. That is true. Um, I won't lie. My my, as I say, uh, at least uh, as I say, Ernie, I'm sure you're you're just like me in this one, in the fact that you know we we have a um, we do have uh, one uh, we at least we have like multiple data centers and in that it's like one's the uh, cold backup site, the other one's the main site, and well, all our stuff is held on a virtual server so, or, or a virtual box on a server, so it's like oh, yeah. it went down. Okay. Well, okay, put it back up. All right, there's the last save point. Oh, okay, there you go. Uh, is it is it a bad idea? No, it's just let's put it this way. I could see something for on the scale of like say a Rutgers or something like that because you're talking about uh, across multiple campuses. And I'm sure if Tim's watching, Tim Tim Van Wart, who's uh, uh, has a similar position that we all have, um, Tim's probably watching this and just going. I'm not implementing blockchain on, on at, at Rutgers. No way, no how. Um, but anyways, well, so an interesting side on blockchain. Mm. Uh, we were working on the new CTS exam this mm. last week, mm. and there were there was actually discussion about you know do we need any blockchain questions? And you know the answer right now is blockchain is not an AV tool. No. So you know if it evolves into one, we've got some data built up in the question database, you're not going to see any coming yeah. up in the near future. 
Yeah, you're you're right. I, I I tend to agree with you on this one, Ernie. In that it's a good way. If if we're if we're talking about like say database, uh, um, like database uh, uh, distribution or database backup kind of thing, I could easily see that as a as a good right. as a good means. Right. But like I said, it's not maybe tool at this time. Not 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 at the moment. So, um, yeah, moving on here. Uh, next up, uh, this comes to us from uh, Rave Pubs. It's uh, Pass, an alliance you need to know about. Um, who, wrote the, who wrote this article? Do you know? Uh, Scott Tyner. Oh, did Scott write this? One? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, some 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 yeah. guy who doesn't really. Yeah. <laughs> so Scott, I was just say what a what a strange coincidence how this happened. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I um I think as as we all. Uh, were very uh, um, surprised, saddened by uh, what happened in Florida and what's happened in um, other schools around the country. So I had written an article before this, mm -hmm. uh, essentially saying in, in the industry we are all in, mm -hmm. we have the knowledge, the tools, the equipment to really do something to help this. Mm -hmm. And so I was kind of trying to make a, um, a public call for that. I got a, a phone call a few days later uh, and somebody said, oh, listen, this already exists. As a matter of fact, uh, one of the people involved was uh, Gina um, Sansevero. Oh, did I just say that right? Sansevero, don't worry. She, okay. <laughs> she, she's, she's, Hi, five feet, she's five feet of fury. She'll maul you. <laughs> yes, I, I know. Uh, and so we, she, she introduced uh, us to, to Chuck Wilson, who, who already has this pass um, um, alliance. And this is what they do. They go to schools. Um, public schools, and they talk about safety all around, not just um, safety against weapons or violence, but against uh, natural disasters and the like. Um, they have a, uh, a volunteer board. They, they try and raise money, and everything that they do is, is free. So they'll give schools guidance about different tiers of security that they can um, implement. Mm -hmm. um, they are uh, obviously manufacturer-independent, um, but it's a, it's a great opportunity for those of us in the industry who have knowledge and have tools uh, to, to give of that knowledge and tools in a way um, my take was the politics behind it and all that. Are other, other people can, can argue that, and there's valid arguments there um, on both sides. But let's do something in the meantime. It's one of those things where um, I started reading it and everything, and it, you're right. It's one of those things where, well, as I say, Scott, in the terms of past, there's what? There's both the physical security as well as, um, like I'm guessing, there's also surveillance as well as just, um, you know, basic uh, kind of situational awareness, I'm going mm -hmm. to assume. And um, it's one of those things that you just, you just kind of, it's, it's one of those things where it's just, listen, we're not like trying to turn the place into a, um, uh, into a, uh, a police state or anything like that. So much as it's just, it's, it's being aware of things and just, you know what, these are the, st the you know, just trying to, it's literally just trying to make things safer. It's that, right? Yeah. And I think the interesting thing for me, and that this is something that, that Chuck Wilson said that I wrote about in this article that, that surprised me, because I, I also have this feeling of, uh, is, is this ever possible? Can we actually ever secure all of our schools? Well, first of all, and I, I don't remember the, the number right now, but if you go to the PASS website, they have an introduction to, to the organization, and they mention the number of public schools in the country, which is surprisingly small. And all of a sudden, I thought, okay, that's not 
as big as I expected it to be. But then he said, 50 years ago, we didn't have fire codes for all of our schools and, and students were dying in fires in schools. Mm -hmm. And as soon as we put those in, we haven't lost a, a student in a school fire mm -hmm. in 50 years. Mm -hmm. And to kind of get that idea across that we, we can do this, we can be better about keeping our schools safe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. I'm sure like some folks will get up into the debates on this one, but yours is literally like it, here's the code system. That's all. That's all. This is really boiling down to. It's just here's 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 some ways to kind of implement things. We're not saying you have to do it, but it's like yep. this just makes life easier for all of us. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Ernie. Have you? As I say, have you? As I say, have you guys? Uh, um, well, I'm trying to think about this. I mean, God, geez, you guys are at a, as I say, you guys are, uh, um, uh, are already part of a hospital. So, I mean, there's already security, there's already security things up, uh, up and going up and down the street. Yeah. We're a level one trauma center. Yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> it's like, it's like yeah. you look and go, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, we've got the sirens and all that, but you know, we are, I did find, you know, talking about, Safety, and when Scott mentioned, you know, we, there's also the fire safety and weather safety you got involved. We're a big tornado area where we are. And there was actually tweets coming out this morning from uh, our, one of our major news uh, organ groups here that pointing out that a recent study that they're just, that's just being released shows that schools that have safe rooms, whether it's to get, a, you know, away from a shooter or away from a, predicting from a tornado or whatever, their evacuation time is slower once they get a once they get a safer. Hmm. So I, I found that to be interesting. And you know, you would think you have it, but I'm guessing they say, you know, we've got our own safe room in here. We don't have to worry about what to do, so we're taking our time. I haven't read the article yet, like that. I was just getting the tweets a few minutes ago uh, about the study that just came out. So, hmm. but I, I had never thought about something like that. I was going to jump in there, um, everybody that, <clears throat> so Drexel is right near 30th Street Station. And so one of the things that we get involved in almost quarterly is there's a FEMA exercise, basically going through different kinds of setups and what to do in different types of disaster, whether an oil spill or something blows up, that kind of thing. And, and those kind of situations sort of better prepare you for you know, uh, these kind of hazards and potential dangerous, uh, you know, situations. Right. Yeah, um, around, as I say, around here on campus, uh, the bigger, th one of the big things uh, that we've had, we've had more than lately, has been um, how do we actually, well, it's setting, it's been setting up uh, the lock, the uh, lockdown status. And um, one of the other bigger things is we've been changing out from uh, traditional mortise locks to uh, key card access and things like that. But the, but the big thing has also been tying in um, the fire system. And I know some of those, some of the safety folks are probably, you know, if they hear any of this, they're like, well, duh, but it's like, Yes, but you know, keep in mind, um, like you know, my campus, God, we, you know, I'm still moving out chalkboards. So I mean, you know, wiring in uh, fire sa fire safety into electronic locks. Yeah, that's that's kind of cutting edge on the, on on our end. But it's one of those things where, um, yeah, it's 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 a it's a progression of things. So, ah, all right. Uh, last but not least, uh, this comes to us from uh, avnetwork.com. It's the five things to know before selecting media players for your next job. Now, 
uh, I know on my campus, uh, you know, we do have some traditional uh, self-serving kiosks and everything like that. Um, we also have uh, media players for digital signage. And, uh, you know, I won't lie, uh, some folks, uh, you know, there, there was the original phase uh, when, you know, digital signage and kiosks were a brand new thing. And, uh, you know, you would get things from like X2O Media or um, uh, Scala. And some of these products, some of these things were essentially they took a tower PC and you just kind of put it in and hooked it up to the uh, to the uh, touch display and everything. And, um, you know, things have become, in, become a lot more solid state and a lot more uh, stable. Um, and, you know, you have, you have companies like BrightSign that can make uh, digital signage players for a couple hundred bucks. Um, there's even folks, though, who are doing more of the homebrew solution, and they're going, well, why can't we just do a Raspberry Pi and do it up? Well, you know, and there's, then there's some, some other folks who are just like, oh, I'll just get a DVD player and do it up myself. Um, I, as I say, I, unfortunately, I do know a college that shall remain nameless that did that, and I'm just like, eee. But, um, one of the things, there's a couple of things that they go over and talk about in there is, uh, I think it's also to take a look at some of the, it's, it's to kind of protect against uh, kind of knockoffs or the very easily, cheaply made ones. Uh, a couple of the big things that they talk about are, um, you know, that there are like actual product testing and control that goes into these things. Um, you know, one of the things you don't realize until you do a factory tour and Rob and Ernie, you guys have probably seen, seen this and everything in that if you go to some of the manufacturers, yeah, um, you know, they actually have to do, uh, you know, when they go into, if they submit things for UL listing, for UL listing and everything, sometimes they'll try to do some of their own testing. But one of the big ones is, well, if the player's in a kiosk, there's probably not the best ventilation in there and it's probably cooking itself in there. And, uh, you know, most of these manufacturers actually do these days do more thermal testing. It's mostly for their power supplies, but it's one of those things like, you know, they're doing a lot more stuff in house and everything. And, um, yeah, there is, as I say, if anything, if you guys ever get the chance, um, uh, it's, uh, uh, Crestron, uh, if you ever do their factory tour, there is a there is literally just you go walking by and it's a giant oven and they're and and you and that they're putting their uh, equipment in there to kind of bake it to see how long uh, the equipment can last before it breaks down. So it's kind of an interesting note. But um, yeah, so Rob, have you guys uh, done any of the as I say done any uh, kiosk deployments, or you guys look at that and just go, oh, that's hospitality. You guys have fun. Uh, well, at this point, sort of that that seems to be the case. Um, we don't have a central um, controller or you know one unit that's buying the kiosks. Mm -hmm. You know, all across campus, we've deployed a couple of them ourselves, and obviously durability is the big the big key i mean those things are on all the time they're baking they you can't have something that's cheaply made <laughs> and just sit it out there and expect that it's going to last any more than you know 30 days so um you know unfortunately it's not something we we have dealt with on a on a large scale that's it's okay it's one of those things where um there are some folks uh, a couple months back, there was a gentleman from Georgia tech who, you know, he made the joke of go big or go home. Um, and I remember going through that and going, did you guys work all this out? And I'm like, well, it's, 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 it's there. And I'm like, okay. But if anything, there was, we're also talking about, you know, uh, Georgia tech being in like uh, um, being in Atlanta and having a footprint far bigger. Um, I mean, you know, 
Rob's the closest one that I can uh, I can view as far as like you know oh how much of a so, uh, you know um, uh, city footprint and whatnot. Right. Uh, so yeah, Scott, what are your thoughts? Uh, I was a little surprised when I read read the article that they had focused so much on the the hardware piece because for me kiosk digital signage it's all about the software. Uh, and it, it, as you'd mentioned, whether it's, it's Bright Sign or other products that are that are just putting apps on uh, an Apple TV or something, um, it's really about the software piece for me. So I I appreciate the fact that it, often we put uh, this box in a place that's hard to get to, mm -hmm. so you don't want to be out there uh, every every thirty days, as Robert said, trying to replace something. At, at the same time, um, I'd rather pay for the software and, and go out there and replace a $150 box every, every few years than pay a lot of money for the box. And then the, the system we use here at Bates for Digital Signage, we, we've, we've seen it go that way, that um, we used to buy a box from them. Now we can use whatever box we want, and we're just paying, we're just paying for the software. Now, I so I, I was going to say that, but but there's a distinct difference between, at least in my opinion, digital signage and a kiosk. You know, mm -hmm. digital signage is up running. It's usually in some place that's not terribly accessible. Uh, a little more better ventilation as opposed to a kiosk, which you're standing. It's enclosed in a in a in a small you know piece of furniture. Um, and in in that regard, you're right. It, your signage, the software, is the main part of it. Because and and I hate to say it. Bill, you know, there are some people that will take the Raspberry Pi, put it up on the, the back of a monitor. And these yeah. days now, the, the, the monitors have their own embedded, you know, uh, little PC, so to speak. So it's yeah. already included in there. The, the, when it comes to the, both these things, and this is, this is actually something to, that I actually wanted to bring up with you guys, is this, is that hardware excluded, um, when it comes to science and things like that, and Scott, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, um, it is the software. It's also at times for some of the folks, you know, we'll get it tacked onto us and it's one of those, okay, here's part of your additional job duties. Uh, I've actually seen a number of the, the software uh, folks and the manufacturers actually partner with a content, uh, a content production company. And if for them, it's kind of making more templates and things like that. Um, do you see, like, you know, as far as, like, you know, we are talking about hardware, and yeah, hardware is always going to be around. But I see, you know, the progressive future of things as far as kiosks or as far as uh, signage and everything. It's really about the software, and it's really about um, the actual content creators and content makers. And in that case, I'd, I'd, I'd almost say, like, you know, hey, if you buy from BrightSign, we'll give you a discount to go with uh, Slides R Us. God yeah, there's a company called that, but still. <laughs> really? <laughs> there probably is, and I'm probably going to get a cease and desist letter after this, but still. You never got one of those before. Well, as I just say, I've gotten, I, I've, I've gotten interesting emails after this podcast, and we'll keep it to that. Anyway. Um, I, so. Bill, I, uh, I agree completely with that. Is, uh, we're, we're fortunate enough. When we first started, I mean, our, our first digital sign was a, was a Mac Mini running PowerPoint that we'd have to remote into and change every time we wanted. <laughs> Thankfully, we only had one of those before we went. Um, uh, we, we went to a, a professional system, but it's all about design and content. And I think that whether you're, an, if you're an integrator that's selling this, it's brilliant to get into a service of designing the content. It's, it's, a, it's a brilliant move. It's, it's where you can make your money. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
All right, fair enough. Um, all right, folks, that's about all the time we have. Um, all right, Scott, we're going to start off with you. Where can the fine folks find you on the internet? Uh, I'm on uh, LinkedIn, um, Scott Tyner. I'm on Twitter at S Tyner. Uh, and, and other than that, I, I just I just lurk around the internet other than those two places. <laughs> <laughs> don't say the dark net, please. Don't I know, no, I'm not going to say it. It, it almost did, but no. <laughs> we already talked about blockchain. Don't go any further. Ernie, where can the fine folks find you? You can also find me on LinkedIn. Uh, that's good. And Mr. And Mr. Raspberry? Uh, ditto, Rob Raspberry, right on LinkedIn. There we go. You can find me on LinkedIn as well as Twitter. That's all, folks. Have a month.